Al Jazeera podcast. Israel is preparing a ground offensive in Gaza, but there are concerns about those captured by Hamas, with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu facing growing public anger. Will the Israeli military go in regardless of the risks? I'm James Bayes, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our panel of guests to discuss all of this. In London, Yossi Meckelberg, Associate Fellow in the Middle East and North Africa program at Chatham House. In Birmingham, Scott Lucas, Professor at the Clinton Institute at University College Dublin. He's also founder and editor of EA Worldview, a news analysis site. And also in London is Roxanne Farman Farmanian, Professor of Modern Middle East Politics at the University of Cambridge. Hello to you all. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so let's talk about the possibility that Israel is under pressure to delay its ground offensive. Starting with you, Yossi. Um, from what we hear, now, the problem with discussing all of this is military plans are secret, but from what we hear and the reports we hear, Israel has already delayed this several times. Correct. And in a way, it's, it's, we found this sea of bad news. It might be actually good news that there is a delay in a military operation because we know exactly what the consequences, or we think we know the consequences of such a ground offensive that's bound to cost many, many lives. And I think there are different reasons for that. A, Israel relies on, on the reserve service, on reservists, and to mobilize. Right now, there are 300,000 mobilized. It means they need to be trained, they need to be equipped, they need to be ready with, with whatever they are asked to do with the mission itself. And this takes time, especially there are also uh, tensions, and more than tensions, in the northern border. Then, of course, there is the international community. The, the pressure is mounting because we see the level of casualties on, on, the, on the Palestinian side, many of, of, of civilians, uh, how it's going to affect the region, how it's going to affect American interests in the region. And let's not forget, there are, uh, we think, at least for now, there are 222 uh, hostages. Only two hostages have been released uh, thus far. And we, everyone is worried that if a war in a ground offensive starts, these hostages might be used as a human shield, anyway, caught in the war. And as a result of it, we don't know who's going to be their fate. So there are a lot of reasons, actually, also to think what is the political aim of such an affair. If at the beginning the, the Israeli government talked about the elimination altogether of Hamas, if this is actually a, a viable plan or the result without killing thousands and thousands of innocent civilians, or there needs to be a much more limited uh, plan, strategic plan. Roxanne, we, when we saw President Biden go for his very brief visit just to Israel last week, yes, everyone focused on how supportive he was of the Israeli people and the Israeli government, but he did say in that speech, do not rush to war and avoid the mistakes that the US made in 9-11. Well, yes, I think um, it was clear that he was uh, certainly in the behind the scenes as well, one would imagine, um, presenting an alternative view that uh, although he was supporting Israel's right to protect itself, he was clearly putting brakes on uh, exactly how Israel would go about that, saying that there would be implications if it uh, approached it in the wrong way. And I think we're seeing the response uh, across the 
uh, many capitals in the world, including the Arab world, that there is an alternative perspective on this, that it is against international law, of course, um, to forcibly move people and to attack a whole community as uh, as going on in Gaza. And so I think there is definitely a degree of caution that the Israelis are having to build into their plans simply to avoid being further isolated at the end of this. And I think their initial program that they set out uh, was very much simply looking at retaliation. And now they're having to look at the end game. Scott, um, we hear from reports that it's actually the main conduit persuading Israel to slow down is the daily meeting between the US Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin and his opposite number, the Israeli Defence Minister uh, Yoav Gallant, who seems to be the most hawkish of those in the military leadership. And the reports are saying the reasons, and Yossi's already mentioned some of these, are those that are being held by Hamas, the need to get more aid into Gaza and to protect U.S. interests in the region. Do those sound like the, the, the reasons why the U.S. would be urging caution at the moment to you? I think the line which has been leaked to the media um, by American and Israeli officials that it's primarily because of those 222 hostages, uh, about 50 of whom are foreign nationals, I, th I think that's actually just simply a convenient pretext for what has been the line, not just of the U.S., but of much of the international community uh, very since very soon after Hamas's mass murder of uh, Israeli civilians and foreign nationals. And that is, there's a twofold message here. And I think it's important to emphasize that the first part of the message, not just from the U.S., but from European leaders, from leaders of other parts of the world, including Asia and also Latin America, has been, look, Hamas crossed a line of acceptability when it carried out those mass murders. It can no longer be treated as a legitimate leadership in Gaza to provide stability and security. But that leads to the second part of the message, which has been the one which has been given repeatedly, and not just by Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken, which is, as Roxanne was pointing out, how do you get rid of Hamas? How do you uh, achieve this aim of removing this leadership that's created, committed crimes against humanity without alienating, and indeed, of course, carrying out mass killing of your own, of Gaza civilians? So I do think the emphasis was for Israel to not carry out a ground offensive. And I think Israel was on the verge of that ground offensive last week. I think it's also for Israel to limit the bombing, uh, which has shown no signs of doing so far. So there's less of a success here. But that brings us to that point you raised, which I think is now the key, as it were, both symbolic and political point, and that is getting humanitarian aid into Gaza. The argument of much of the international community is you have got to get some space between Gaza civilians and Hamas. You've got to get civilians away from the idea that Hamas is their only protector. You have got to give them an alternative. And for that, you need not just a couple dozen, a few dozen aid trucks going in. You need hundreds and indeed thousands of trucks to be going in and going in very soon. Yossi, I'll come back to the aid in a moment, but on the issue of those being held by Hamas, we had two Americans that were released. But actually, it's interesting, if you look carefully, the estimated numbers being held have actually gone up. They originally were about 150, then the estimate a few days ago was, was 200. I believe it's now more than 212. Now, that, of course, 
greatly limits, doesn't it, the, any possibility of a, of a rescue operation, given that these people are probably all held in different places under heavy guard and some of them probably in a maze of underground tunnels. Yeah, we are talking now on 222 families that were told that they are family members that are held hostage. And yeah, this complicates everything. It also explains part of the anger. Those are not only soldiers. That we're not talking here about prisoners of war. We're talking people being kidnapped. Uh, civilians from very, very young age, babies, children, all the way to 84, 85 years old. And it's almost impossible to have a concerted operation to release all of them. It's not, it's not realistic. They are by now probably dispersed. And uh, obviously, considering the way Hamas behaved uh, thus far and the atrocities it committed to expect it, not to use it, human shield will be only wishful thinking. So the best way forward is actually through quiet negotiation behind the scenes. Uh, the, the Qataris already showed that they are capable of putting some pressure, or at least negotiate uh, the release of two, and we need to see what happens next. But yeah, this is this this from the beginning complicated any idea of of a military operation because it's it's put them under under uh, immediate risk. Scott, um, two as we were said were released: Judith, Natalie, uh, Ranan, um, an American-Israeli mother and daughter from Illinois. Um, the fact that Hamas released them when they did. How, how, how does that complicate things, do you think, for the Israeli government and, and the push towards a ground offensive? And, and actually, adding to that, why do you think, and I know it's pure speculation because we don't know the reasons, they did, did, did decide to choose two healthy Americans when there are so many elderly, young and infirm people among those being held? I think the indications are as this was a public relations move. Uh, it was a public relations move, first of all, to try to deter an Israeli ground evasion by holding out the idea that the hostages were there uh, and that if you carry out these piecemeal releases, you keep on pushing the invasion back. In other words, as Yossi just pointed out, you know, these hostages are human shields. Let's call it for what it is. Um, secondly, why was it the Americans? Because uh, the Americans are perceived by many to being the key factor in terms of their influence upon the Israeli leadership, that although there are many others who've been going in to uh, Israel, in the past 12 days. Uh, the Germans have been going in with Olaf Scholz and Annalena uh, Baerbock. The British have gone in. The Greek uh, prime minister is there today. It's still the idea that Washington is the biggest lever on Israel. So you play to American public opinion. Uh, American public opinion, which has felt a great deal of anger over the mass killing of not only uh, Israeli civilians, but at least 31 Americans, you play to Americans and say, look, you know, we're the good guys here. We're willing to release hostages. And by the way, if you attack us, it'd be a shame if those hostages wound up getting killed. And Roxanne, Hamas also, a Hamas spokesman, said that they had the intention of releasing two more people and they named two Israeli citizens. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's office said this was mendacious propaganda. But this causes big problems, does it not, within Israel and Israel's leadership as well? Well, I think what we're seeing is that Hamas is playing its cards uh, very carefully. Uh, and I, uh, you know, agree that first to Americans, then to Israelis, this has all got an agenda to, uh, to uh, appeal to not only public opinion, but also to show that there is total control over these hostages at the moment. 
And I think the Americans were hoping that there would be quite a few Palestinian Americans that would be let out across the Rafah border, which is where the um, aid trucks are coming in, and that there might be a somewhat of an exchange there. And that has not happened. So it shows that um, the release of the hostages still is very much up to Hamas. It feels as it's showing it's got complete control over the situation. And I think it's also showing that the Israeli army does not, because their intelligence has shifted consistently as to how many of the uh, how many hostages they are there are we don't know if they have any idea where these hostages are and um, and I think that's possibly very much affecting their decision to go in because an urban uh, guerrilla you know man to man um, fight in in Gaza uh, could really be very risky to the the lives of hostages that are there. And I think there has been quite a bit of talk about negotiations would certainly be a better way, would be a better guarantee to keep the hostages alive rather than a ground operation. And that that certainly would put their lives at much greater risk. So Yossi, I think it's an interesting chess game that we're seeing here. Yossi, in terms of those two that were released, the American-Israeli mother and daughter, um, we haven't seen them since they've been released. I would assume, tell me if you think I'm right, that they have been checked over by doctors, by psychologists, and now the important part for the Israelis and the Americans, they're being debriefed for intelligence. You're probably right about all of that. Uh, we have to remember there's uh, two civilians that went through a terrible ordeal uh, for, for, for more than two weeks. And yes, first of all, to ensure that their well-being comes first. But yes, if uh, those, you know, whether the Americans or the Israelis would like to know as much as possible out of them. But again, I, I doubt if they, they know too much that, uh, or enough to, to help the, the intelligence community in terms of where the other hostages. You know, the time that has elapsed, the, the, the two weeks, would have probably helped uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad to put the hostages in, in different places because they are waiting, and as Roxanne said earlier, they are waiting right now for the Israeli forces to enter and then fight door-to-door you know, -door in, in urban areas. There are tunnels there, there are bomb traps and, and, and the rest. So whether the, there is information that two hostages that they were released can help the, the intelligence community, I'm not so sure about that. Scott, in addition to... US citizens, there are citizens of the UK, France, Germany, Netherlands, Thailand, Argentina, Germany, France, I said Germany twice, sorry, Chile, um, Spain and Portugal on the list. Now, these include some of the US and Israel's closest allies. How much pressure do you think is coming on the Israelis from these governments? Those governments uh, will again be part of, again, what is a collective effort, not just simply a US effort not just to emphasize that uh, the lives of these hostages are at risk uh, if there's any type of ground operation, but I think to put across the wider message, which is, look, even if, a, even if an Israeli ground offensive is put off for a week, two weeks, another month, it's quite likely that Israel will be carrying out the air operations, the sustained bombing. And I think the message there is, again, to the Israeli leadership, well, you, you know, can you really think that you can bomb Hamas out of existence or even contain it? Can you, do you think that bombing uh, and flattening Gaza and killing thousands of Palestinians 
is going to make any advance on releasing the hostages. I mean, I, I'll just put it to you like this, James, and that is, is that, in a sense, Hamas knew when they attacked Israel that they would invite the Israeli retaliation. Their plan was always going to be to use not only the hostages, but Gaza civilians as hostages, a wider set of hostages um, because of that Israeli attack. And so now those civilians are being held hostage effectively by Hamas and by the Israeli leadership and the Israeli community of the international communities trying to find a way to break that, trying to find a way to break the cycle of violence and try to shift the priority to aid rather than talking about a ground offensive or continued aerial operations, um, including, you know, the proposal which the U.S. may finally sign on to in the Security Council to make a, a pause in the conflict and humanitarian operations, the number one objective. Roxanne, um, when we saw the two Americans released, it was just hours later that we saw the very first, and there weren't very many, there were only 20 initially, uh, trucks of humanitarian aid cross uh, into Gaza. Do you think that was a coincidence or part of the deal? Well, we'd imagine it was probably part of the deal. Um, the low level of aid trucks that have been allowed in since uh, I think are hedging, you know, hinging on the uh, on the the negotiations to release this next two set of hostages. Um, this we've got to remember is massively lower than the amount of aid that was coming in even prior to the whole uh, uh, conflagration that began on October seventh. There were hundreds of of aid trucks that normally would come into Gaza, and so. It is really suffering without these. So both sides are are um, pulling those uh, ropes in the negotiation. And so I think they are linked. And I think that there is also uh, some degree of, I, I, I would agree with Yossi, I don't think there's a great deal of information that the hostages are going to be able to to provide um, simply because I would also imagine that those hostages that are being released are probably ones that are quite close to the point place where they're being um, uh, exchanged. So I think they're being kept probably specifically out of any kind of uh, massive movement or, 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 or loop of uh, Hamas activities. Yossi, um, a great deal of pressure on Israel to let in more aid, but one specific item which has not been allowed in until now, which is fuel. And, of course, fuel is needed uh, for all sorts of things, for water sanitation, water pumping, desalination. Um, UNRWA, which is the UN agency that deals with the Palestinians, says it's going to exhaust its fuel reserves in the next two to three days. Hospitals rely on generators. One uh, very disturbing report from UNICEF uh, suggests there are about 120 babies in incubators who would die. If, the, if, if there was not fuel to power those incubators. Do you think Israel will let fuel in or not? Because it's described as a dual-use item. Well, along the years, there were many, many other commodities where, where we find there's dual uh, usage. But at the end of the day, we are talking about the life of many civilians. There are 2.2 million people living in, in this highly populated uh, place. It's a tiny territory. And they're relying for, for water and electricity to a large extent on Israel. And, and entering, as we just discussed, there are 20 trucks won't make a huge difference. You need hundreds of them uh, every day for humanitarian aid. And UNRWA 
for years actually gathering just on, on the verge of, of, of collapse, not being able to supply the basic services there because of cut uh, in, in, in aid. When you have such a, such a crisis in the middle of, of war, there is need even more aid. And if this is stopped, the end result of it is inevitably is, is uh, increase in suffering of the population, including deaths, premature deaths of, of many. I think while Israel has the right to, to fight against Hamas and against terrorism, it doesn't have the right at the same time to deprive, uh, deprive uh, innocent civilians from, from their very basic rights. Eventually, and we already see more than 4,000 uh, Palestinians uh, killed. So there must be a way in which, and it doesn't have, it doesn't mean that also some of the operation might be delayed, but it needs to find a way in which there are humanitarian corridor, there is way for aid to come in, and also that electricity is, is, is provided and fuel is provided in, uh, to hospitals and to school and other, in other places. Yes, we know Hamas is not going uh, to, to fight in according to the Geneva Convention, but Israel is a democracy, as President Biden suggested, Democracy should conduct their wars differently. Now, the other question I want to ask you is where international diplomacy is going, because you'll be aware that at the end of last week, the US ambassador in the United Nations put her hand up and vetoed a resolution that would allow humanitarian pauses uh, to uh, be put into effect to try and deliver this aid. The US seemed to be changing their position. They put forward another draft resolution, uh, which I was told um, in something I saw from the UAE, which is also on the Security Council, uh, that they put a submission saying that second, uh, that, that draft from the U.S. was severely unbalanced. Well, this I've obtained is the new uh, U.S. draft resolution. And for the first time, they mention exploring additional practical steps such as humanitarian pauses and the establishment of humanitarian corridors. Roxanne, Israel's not going to like that, is it? Well, it, it's interesting because I think the, the um, accompanying story to this is that Biden had been working on Netanyahu for some time to uh, convince him that the the you know larger picture has to be the right to for, for Israel to defend itself, but the but the secondary picture has to be that it be according to international law and to uh, conform to protecting civilians and and the Gazan people, uh, Palestinians. And so I think I'm not totally surprised that it's taken this. Uh, this first step where the U.S. was extremely tough and rough and saying that the, you know, that there was going to be absolutely no ceasefires and that it was vetoing these um, U.N. resolutions. But now is, it has, has obviously convinced Israel that, that, that a, a different step is important to take. I think the situation we have to recognize is very fluid. And uh, the longer the time goes and the longer that this incubates, it's uh, clear that humanitarian um, support is absolutely critical to this and is critical to uh, the image that Israel will have coming out of this story. And if it is not able to allow this kind of uh, humanitarian help, it will be increasingly isolated as it comes out of this with none of the work it had done trying to to shore up any kind of relationships with its neighbours, that will all can be... I, can I, so let me just stop you there, there, there briefly. Um, we're coming to the end of the programme. I just want to ask each of you, very quick, two-word answer, yes or no. Um, 
is there going to be a ground invasion? Is the pressure on Israel going to work? Yossi? To some extent, I expect one to take place. Scott? Israel will divide this into two parts. There will be a ground invasion to establish more of a buffer zone in northern Gaza Strip, whereas in the southern Gaza Strip, the emphasis will be that civilians can go there and some humanitarian aid can give them some support. Roxanne, quickly, yes or no? I think there will be. I don't think it can back out at this point. Have to end it there, Roxanne. Thank you to all our guests, Yossi Meckelberg, Scott Lucas, and Roxanne Farman Farmayan. This episode was produced by Mohammed Al Aishi, Um I Kulsum Sharif, Fungi I Nguyen, and Paul Taylor. Studio Sound was by Sasha Andreevich. The program was edited by Alexander Kola, Zaina Bada, and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode. Coming up on The Take, as the war on Gaza shows no signs of abating, sorting through what's fact and what's fiction online can be a challenge. So we're unpacking the misinformation. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.